Welcome to No Stone Unturned with Frank and your boy Cynic. Let's go. What up, guys? What up? Welcome back to another rendition of No Stone Unturned. This is Frank, of course, with your boy Cynic. I'm here. <laughs> Sorry, I'm eating chocolate. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang himself. I just watched the new Bad Boys movie. I heard that you watched it the other day, Cynic. What you think of it? Oh, yeah. Bad Boys uh, for Life. Yeah. Uh, it, it gave me... I was homesick for about five minutes. <laughs> Quick and easy. I thought the movie was cool, man. I mean, as 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 a form of entertainment, as a way to spend two hours of your life thinking about something other than Corona... It served its purpose. It was good. I hear that. I hear that. I actually fell asleep, so I didn't finish it. (laughs) (laughs) But it's been a long week. So we know what you thought about it. (laughs) Yeah, I can't tell you. I mean, at the very, what I do remember from the first portion that I saw, damn, Martin Lawrence is fat. He's gained some weight. Man, I was thinking the same thing. Cara de papa, my man. He looks like an empanada. <laughs> and, <laughs> yo, he's chunky, man. And Will Smith, you know, he's he's a long way from uh, his I Am Legend days. You know? Welcome to Miami. Mm-hmm. He's a long way from his Fresh Prince days. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I it was hard, man. I kept <laughs> thinking the same thing every time I saw Martin's face. And not just that. Like, if you notice... Just his acting. Did he get into an accident? Did he have some? You know, did he have something go on? He he was he had something, didn't he? It's so funny that you say that because I noticed it as well. It's not only you know obviously the physical changes, but it's something mentally, right? And I remember he wasn't in an accident. That was Tracy Morgan. But what happened with Martin is that he got really messed up. Like he was doing a whole bunch of drugs, and there was a a stand up special that he did where he explained that, you know, he went, I don't know if he was smoking something or whatever, and he went for a jog, and then he passed out. Um, and apparently, that's how he remembered it. But what actually happened is he was being very confrontational. He was out in the middle of the street acting crazy. So I think mm, that there's right. something that happened because of the way he was living his life. And that's it's kind of changed him, you know? He's not the same person as before. Exactly. He was just a bit slower, um, and that's what came over. His from, speech, yeah. his delivery. And a lot of you know being a comedian is you being witty and your timing, right? Mm-hmm. And it kind of being like a, a game of ping pong if you're playing off of somebody else. And Although he's still Martin, and there's nobody else that can play that role, so it was great from what I remember. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I love him. You know, I'm rooting for him. But, yeah, definitely different, man. Definitely different. Yeah, so that was a bit of a shocker, a little eye-opening of course, because I, I I watch him, and I know I watched him when I was younger. We we both did, so obviously I see him, and I'm like, damn, how do I look right now? Like, <laughs> I know I gained weight, right? And I know someone you know who might have seen me back in the day sees me again now, might also call me a fucking cara papa. Nah, but his shit is level ten, bro. <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think inevitably, as as people mature, 
you know, I think your bone structure changes, right? And it's, you know, because people's faces actually get wider, you know? I don't think it's just weight. I just think kind of, I don't know, you know, you're maturing into the person that you will become. But this guy has fat on his face. It's not <laughs> this guy. I don't know if it's the bones. I think you just swell up. I don't <laughs> <laughs> Yo, there's this 90 Day Fiance. Uh, this is one of my guilty pleasures, man. This show's amazing. And we're going to get into this episode, guys, I promise. But now that I say no neck, I just have to touch on this. There's this guy <laughs> named Ed, okay? And I actually, Cynic, wants you to watch one season for me so we can come on here and talk about it. Because like Tiger King, it's fucking amazing. It really is. And there's this guy in this new a new season called Ed. This guy has no neck. <laughs> <laughs> I feel I feel for the guy, man. He's a character though. He has, you know, he's in good spirits. He's not somebody who feels sorry for himself, but it's some good entertainment, man. And I think I'm gonna have to have you watch at least one season, Sonny, so we can talk one, about one that. season. A full season. One season. One season. How many episodes? I don't want to talk about that because I don't want to discourage you, but just watch one <laughs> season. <laughs> it's going to take you a bit, but it's entertaining. I oh, think God. at the very least it'll, it'll have your attention. I'll take one for the team. Yeah. All right. Let's get into this one, though, man, right? What are we talking about today? Rituals? Or, or wait, 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 wait. Oh, fun fact. We... Yeah, fun fact. Come on, Frankie. Tighten up, baby. All right, let's <laughs> get it, guys. So this week's fun fact is the majority of your brain is fat. And here we go. You can literally call someone a fathead, um, but it's still unkind. According to Psychology Today, 60% of the human brain matter is made up of fat. So 60% of human brain matter is made up of fat, which I thought was very interesting Hmm. because when I think about how amazing that organ is, and everything that it does and everything has a power to unlock and achieve and possess and the list goes on. To know that a majority of it is fat is, you know, kind of surprising. It seems like an inordinate amount of fat for such an organ. I don't understand. I'm really surprised. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm, hey, I got a couple of bangers, guys. I'm just here to inform. Do you think you think because fat somehow is is a better conduit for you know like all the shit that goes on in your brain you know the electrical impulses and whatever <sighs> i don't know you're man. like what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> no no i i know exactly what you're saying but i just i i don't know if fat could i i, I just don't see how fat could be something good for us <laughs> in any sense whether it be in our brains on our bodies on our faces Martin Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, I, just, <laughs> I just don't see it. I mean, All right. well, that's a, that's a tricky one. Well, there you go. Fatty brain. There you go, ladies and gents. That's your fun fact for the week. Now you can tell the people, the good people out there who are quarantining uh, what we're talking about today. Well, we're talking about rituals, guys. And um, rituals I found in researching for this episode Rituals and religion have a lot of ties, and that in itself brings up some interesting questions, but it really just boils down to kind of where you are in the world, right? And it's a testament to 
you know, that your geography of where you are in the world shapes the way you think. Because I can hear about rituals that they do in West Africa, and they, for me, be so outlandish and so appalled. I remember I sent you a message, Cynic, about a particular ritual that we're going to talk about on this episode, and my exact words were, I am appalled. You know, very taken back by what you're reading, but then you go to that region, right? And you go to that part of the world, and that's completely normal. Um, and that's that's insane to me. And then for me, it begs the question, well, religion is very similar to that, right? You have Christianity, you have Catholicism, you have, you know, Hebrew, you have Buddhism, which one is right? Because they all believe that what they believe is going to give them, you know, this everlasting life, right? Is going to get them to the pearly gates. But they're all different. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you're going to tell me that some people are going to have the short end of the stick because of what they believe. So we're going to get into to rituals today, Seneca. I'm definitely excited, man. Definitely excited for this episode. Me too. Me too. Um, regarding that point, so I think you ask, you know, which, which one, which one is right? Yeah, which one we'll get into, whatever, afterlife, paradise. Mm -hmm. I think I think it. I'm not sure it matters, to be honest. I I think especially when we're talking about rituals, like religion, is sort of another level of. This is another conversation. Yeah, rituals mm -hmm. will be um, a part of uh, a religion. Mm -hmm. Um, I think if we're talking about, if we stick to rituals, I'm not sure whether it's a ritual, a Christian ritual or a Buddhist ritual. I'm not sure that it matters too much that it's Christian or Buddhist, because I think that the ritual itself serves a much deeper purpose um, for, for us as human beings mm -hmm. um, that goes beyond the label of whatever religion religion it is you're doing it for. So, yeah, there's just something I thought about when you said that. But before we go into it, I wanted to... Well, I just, I want to interject briefly. Mm -hmm. I guess what yep. I was referring to when I tied it into the religion, whereas there's some of these tribes that believe that if they don't do these rituals, they won't, you know, they'll be cursed for the remaining of their natural lives or they won't see the afterlife. And when it boils down to it is, mm -hmm. I really think that even if you are somebody from a West African tribe, you're not going to need to do those rituals to get to where you want to get to, right? Um, and that's how I tie that into religion in a sense where it's, you don't necessarily, and again, not to um, discredit any religion, but I don't think you need to, you know, go to these extents that some of these religions want you to go to, to get to where you ultimately want to get to. So I guess those are the parallels that I made by it. Not that necessarily they, they go hand in hand, but that there are some similarities based on just how we think and, you know, kind of our environment. Yeah, you're right. And when you said that, you actually made me uh, rethink what I said. I should be clear when I said that I meant I shouldn't have said rituals just generally. I was thinking specifically about the kinds of rituals known as rites of passage. Ah, okay. And how those have 
some psychological, some deep psychological, there's some, some deep psychological reasoning for why historically, why we've done them, mm-hmm. uh, regardless of what uh, country, tribe, part of the world you came from, they all have rights or many of them have rites of passage. Uh, rituals is then another umbrella term uh, that goes beyond just rites of passage. And for sure, there are a lot of rituals that are questionable, to say the least. <laughs> for sure. But let's let's get into it, man. What you what you got for us today, Cynic? Yeah, I just want to define, you know, I want to define rituals because, I don't know, maybe I've been living in Germany too long, <laughs> but I like to go through things in, in a specific order and start with, start with from the top and kind of just explain from there so that we can follow, so we can progress uh, in a certain way. And I think it's always good to start first with what we're talking about when we're saying ritual. And so I like to start with what is the textbook definition of a ritual. And I pulled this literally from, um, I think it was Webster's. So a ritual can be defined according to them in two ways. Um, A usual or repetitive way of behaving or doing something uh, we know of this, uh, the way we describe our so-called morning rituals, right? So you get up in the morning and you do certain things in a certain way. Um, you could call it habit as well to a certain extent, but I think some people some people probably do it less out of habit and more because they feel like this is doing it this way make, helps them get their day started the right way. Mm-hmm. You know, and once when you do it for that reason, then it's not just a habit, then it's actually a ritual, because if you don't do it, then you might feel that your your day is, is going to be shit or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then the second definition uh, is an oft repeated action or series of actions performed in accordance with a tradition or set of rules. So, for example, like a ritual to honor the dead. Well, you know, when we go to um, a funeral, that's basically a ritual. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, Or if you go to some more primitive uh, example, you know, rain dances. And I say primitive for all I know, there's some tribes that probably still do it. Um, Rain dances to actually ask the gods to provide rain because, you know, uh, they're going through a drought or whatever the case may be. So those are the two definitions that I found. And I think they cover pretty much the two types of rituals, you know, if you're someone is using that word, uh, what they could be, what they could mean. I just wanted to say, I think it's, I never noticed that a funeral is a ritual until you said it right mm-hmm. now. Because for me, it was just everybody does this when somebody passes on. And I understood that in different places of the world, that was done differently. I wasn't lost on that, but I was like, yeah, that's actually, that's actually right, you know, and taken back mm-hmm. by that for a second. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, I actually didn't think about it that way either, you know, until I started doing a bit of research for the topic. Uh-huh. And I realized, you know, it's not just uh, funerals. Um, a marriage, a marriage is a ritual. Whether you do it, um, yeah, whether you do it, ceremony? you know, the re- yeah, the ceremony, uh-huh. whether you do it by the church, yeah, yeah, or if you do it more in a civil way, uh, you know, through the state. Certain things are done, you know, by all couples that are married. Mm-hmm. And and then you have people who create their own rituals. Are know? birthdays rituals? Birthdays could be... The celebrations? I mean, a birth? Uh, a birthday? I mean, it, I guess it could be. It depends. 
It depends, I guess, on how you celebrate it, maybe. Yeah. I'm not really sure. That's but, weird. you know, a baptism, that's mm-hmm. a Christian example, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the, I mean, that, that actually t- brings me to the next topic, um, the next sort of portion that I wanted to talk about. And, and it's just the different, uh, so how broad the topic of ritual is, you know, and I described it in the definitions. You know, it could be something really mundane from how you do your morning ritual before you go to work mm-hmm. to something like we're going to talk about a little later, uh, which is related to, um, it's a deadly serious, and deadly meaning it, it's a serious ritual. Serious, not just in the fact that um, it's like high, <laughs> it's super important to the people doing it, but also just the 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 kind of ritual it is. It's like, it's crazy, especially if, if you're coming from the West and you're hearing about it as an outsider. Um, and that's related to death, uh, that one that we're going to talk about later. Oh, yeah. In particular, the, the, the death of, of, you know, the widow, the death of her husband mm-hmm. and how that, that goes. So th- that's kind of the broad band of the types of ritual. And then at the most extreme is the actual ritual, ritual killing, right? And I'm going to talk about one of those mm, I like uh, it. a bit later on as well. So it's broad. It's super broad. It could be something super simple and stupid, and it could be something deadly serious. And so something to keep in mind, because when we were looking into this topic, um, we realized that it was super, it's super big. And you know, obviously we can't cover everything in, in the time that we have for the podcast. But yeah just wanted to cover yeah that. you're absolutely right man it's it's fast and i think we just uncovered a few just in us kind of talking of rituals that we have as westerners or yeah i would say as westerners and um things that you never even noticed because you always thought it was just normal you know you understood mm-hmm. that you know people live differently but to you it was kind of the way the way it should be done or the way it's just it is, and it's not. It really is um, dependent on again where you live and and when you were raised. Um, I have one that I want to get into if, if I if I dare break the ice here, cynic. Do it. Um, and it's interesting because, well, I guess the cat's out of the bag on us being siblings because on mm-hmm. uh, the last episode, <laughs> if you guys hope you guys caught that coronavirus update, the cynic did an amazing job on bringing you guys. Um, he did mention that uh, he had a brother in Miami and a brother in New York, in the hot in the hot uh, hot zones. So, I guess that's. I mean, you can edit this out, but no. <laughs> I guess the cat's out of the bag on that one. If they didn't know, then they didn't listen. And shame on you. For not shame listening. on you. There you go. Uh, but the reason I bring that up is because I want to talk about feasting on the dead's ashes in Brazil and Venezuela. Mm. Now, I say that because our mother is from Venezuela. So this one <laughs> is very, very weird for me um, because I'm like, damn, uh, how far removed are we from that as far as generations go um, in our family? You know, but basically the Yanomi. Sorry, I don't want to miss. Really? Is that what they're called? <laughs> Yanomami. There it is. Okay. Edit that out. <laughs> You the Yanomami tribe in Brazil and Venezuela practice a traditional death ritual that keeps them from leaving any part of the deceased body. 
When a person dies, a loved one is obligated to eat his or her flesh. When the body is later burned, they are crushed. I'm sorry, they crush the bones and ashes into a mixture of soup and fermented bananas, which is to be consumed by the family. Talk about cannibalism being a subject of fiction. So that obviously, wow. guys, puts you right in the fire <laughs> as far as the I temperature. Turn my stomach for this episode. Um, I just want to let that marinate for a bit. I mean, obviously, this is not a ritual like we just mentioned when we talked about a wedding ceremony or whether <laughs> or not a birthday is a birthday party or, you know, this is we're getting to the meat and bones of this year. But there's people that that are on this planet that believe that they have to live their life. They, they have to do these things. They have to live their life this certain way. Or else they're cursed. And to me, that blows my mind. Consuming, consuming the dead? Like. <laughs> Do you know, does it, I don't know if you know this or not. If you don't, it's fine. Talk to me. Is it, is it a practice that still goes on? Let me see here. Uh, yes. Because the Yanomami tribe is, they're, they're not, your neighbor, right? These are people that live in El Monte, right? In, mm. in the trees. And what I do know is that it's obviously become something that isn't kind of swept under the rug. People do know about it, but these are traditions that these tribes, like there is no law out there. Who's going to go out there and, and tell them that they can't live this way? You know, they don't live by the rules that we live by as far as society goes. Um, very similar to those Amazonian tribes that you still hear about, right? Um, so it does still happen. And again, I don't know who's gonna, who's gonna bust into the village and, <laughs> and score up with these people, but. But I mean, even insane. if they did, if they did bust in there, so just play, <laughs> we talked about this a couple episodes ago, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, putting yourself in other people's shoes. And I'm gonna do that right now. Yeah. So let's imagine that you are a member of this tribe and you, this is all you know, okay? You don't have a phone with Google on it. It'll tell you that nope. what you're doing is freaking disgusting. You got a banana leaf covering your junk. <laughs> like, you're out there, you know? So I assume that they love their family members and their tribe members the same way we love our family members, right? And if this is what you're born into, so I'm not trying to say that it's cool, Obviously, I'm grossed out just like anyone else. I'm trying to just put myself in their shoes and try, I guess, try to understand that they, mm, I don't know, it's maybe it sounds a bit like I'm looking down on them and that's not the intention, but they don't know any better. It's like all they know, literally. And if they really love their family members, as we love ours, then maybe they're doing this and thinking, I have to do this because, you know, if I don't, what is it that you said? They'll, they feel they'll be cursed? Yeah. Or... In some cases that they'll be cursed for the remaining of their natural lives or even cursed in the afterlife. As far as I mean, I don't know. I, obviously, I don't know how they how they see it. If there are people there who maybe somehow had some realization, even though they are completely separated from modern society if they came to some realization on their own that 
this can't be right. But I could imagine for the majority of them, if it's all they know, they might fear being cursed much more than um, eating the flesh of someone that they think that they loved and they think that this is the best way to honor them or whatever. But yeah, it's pretty goddamn gross. Yeah, I I actually think along the lines of what you were saying, you're, it's not on the people. And, and I don't really think they have a problem with it. It's just a testament of, you know, what is your normal, right? They don't know anything outside of the world that they live in, right? So if they're raised at a very young age, seeing these ceremonies, seeing these rituals take place when somebody passes on, it's all they know. It'd be strange for them not to do it. What I think is interesting is the perspective, right? The perspective from somebody like myself, where I live in a certain part of the world where we don't do those, you know, those type of rituals, um, to their perspective where they may not, I mean, I'm sure they know there's other people on this planet, but they don't understand tech, like technology, you know, if, if it hasn't been exposed to them that they can't think about it, you know, they can't comprehend it. I think they're just kind of so, um, I don't want to say consumed, but so kind of involved with their environment and, and their world that they do it willingly. You know, I, I don't think it's, um, it's something they struggle with or, or second guess. I mean, I'm sure because free will does exist, right? So I'm sure there's somebody. There got to be one villager out of a hundred <laughs> that looks around and is like, man, y'all, y'all motherfuckers crazy. You know, there has to be one at least. But I think the majority is just a way of life to them. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I do know what you mean. You know, let me, I was just thinking of another example, and this is not ritual related, but I just want to make this example real quick. You know that for a very large portion of the population that is on the earth today, the way we Westerners use toilet paper, they're disgusted by it. Do you know that? Well, you got to use a shelf. They find... That's why. <laughs> Sorry? <laughs> you got to use the shelves. You remember that movie with uh, Sylvester I do remember Stallone? That. I mean, <laughs> what, what, what movie was it? I remember it. Was it? Was it Judgment Day or no? Uh, total... Judge Dread. Judge Dread. Yes. I think it was Judge Dread. Great movie. Yeah. But you know, there's like this. Um, but yes, about the toilet paper. You're absolutely right. People are grossed out. People in the Middle East come to mind. I don't know if there are other cultures that also. They basically use water, right? Mm-hmm. And and water is, you know, there's a good argument that water is a much more sanitary way to do it, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> I saw some someone post something. I think it was on Twitter once, and, and he was obviously from somewhere in the Middle East where they where they, you know, use water. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, some people in the U.S. use it, I guess, as well. Well, a douche, I mean, right? Isn't a... Yeah, you can use this bidet or bidet, whatever. Yeah. You can use that for the same reason. It's just not like a part of the mainstream. And right? I hear bidets are amazing, by the way. I don't... I've never don't used know, one, I'm but I, I... I heard they're amazing. I've heard the same. And I think yes. it's... Well, so yeah, what the guy was saying on Twitter, he was like, just imagine using like a paper towel to clean fudge off your face. It's... Yeah... <laughs> And, it's pretty nasty. I mean, I <laughs> it made me think. I was like, all right. I mean, I get it, but for all us, right, it's also normal, right? For us, it's normal, and it's well, and well, it's well, definitely. Hold on now, hold on now, because I remember my mother teaching me, Cynic, that 
you know, back then they were wearing baby wipes. I'm a baby wipe guy. All right. So I'm never just doing dry pudding on like some tree bark. All right. You guys got to do better Westerners. All right. So if I don't have baby wipes, my mom always taught me take a little bit of water on the, on the, you know, on the toilet paper. And that's going to be the one you finish with. If you want to do one more, just to make sure you don't have a soggy butt, a dry one. But you got to do the water at least two or three times on the actual toilet paper. All right, guys. So, again, you're coming into my bathroom here. No stone unturned, baby. We have no limits. But if you're just using dry toilet paper and smearing that fudge around and not having anything <laughs> to lift it, whether it be a baby wipe, um... <laughs> or toilet paper with water, then shame on you, you nasty motherfuckers. Yeah, lest you think we got an off topic here. Um the the the, the it's a ritual, man. The toilet situation, that's that's a ritual. That is a ritual. So yeah, that was just something that I was thinking about <laughs> and how we do stuff and for us it's quite normal, but uh, there are other people who see what we do as uh, not the most ideal way to do it. Yeah, I definitely would have to agree, man. Um, crazy, crazy uh, comparisons, the way you look at things. And I know we kind of went off topic there, but I think it was a good opportunity to uh, make sure that we're keeping our listeners on the right side of the fence as far as the way they should be living their motherfucking lives. Um, <laughs> because it's not okay. And I'm not going to ask you, Cynic, if you still use that technique. I think that's going a little too deep. But I'm just going to put it out there for the people that just... You know, against smearing dry fudge. But back to the Yanomami tribe. I'm sorry, um, you, you're not going to ask me what now? I'm not going to ask you if you, if mom taught you the technique or if you still, if you still do it, bro. If you still, <laughs> you know, you got baby wipes or something, what are you doing? I'm going to ask you now. Let's talk about it. What are you doing? You're just smearing dry fudge around is what you're doing? Are you kidding me right now? Hey, man, no stone unturned, baby. Who's the OG here? <laughs> All right, I'm proud of you, man. I was using wet toilet paper when you were still in diapers, boy. <laughs> All right, man. Yeah, that's, man. That's the move. That's the move. <laughs> um, I have I have another uh, little little ritual I want to talk about. Let's do it. If I may. So, yeah, uh, there's another ritual that I wanted to talk about. I found this one pretty interesting. Do you Have you ever heard of the Amish? Of course. Okay, so the Amish uh, have this ritual uh, called so i'm going to pronounce it the way i would pronounce it living mm -hmm. in germany for a long, as long as i have it's called rumspringer whoa you get a rumspringer <laughs> rumspringer over there they might pronounce it rumspringer <laughs> uh, we would say runspringer actually rum rum as rum -springer. in Picardy. rumspringer yes. yeah and uh, it's it is actually derived from a german word that is called rumspringen which means to like jump around or hop around so Rumspringer is an Amish uh, sort of ritual kind of, you know, I guess they, they define it as a ritual. I don't know if it meets the exact definitions, but I find it really interesting. So they, what they do is if you know anything about the Amish, um, they're really sort of, they're sort of, they sep they're separated, you know, they segregate themselves from pretty much the rest of the world. They have a very specific way of living, which doesn't include, you know, technology, you know, of any sort. Yeah, um, they do everything how how they've always done it, how we probably did it way way back in the day. But they have this interesting ritual where they're 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 young people when they reach 
the age of 14, between the ages of 14 and 16, to be specific, they go through this rumspringer. And basically, the rules that the Amish normally, you know, follow and put on themselves um, are relaxed, like extremely relaxed. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, so uh, I, I don't know, probably the families do it every differently in terms of how much they relax them, but relax the rules, but they're known to relax them as much as, you know, letting the, the teenagers wear non-traditional clothes or wear their hair in a non-traditional way, which are relatively benign changes, I mm -hmm. guess, um, to actually allowing them to go drinking, uh, to drive a vehicle, or to even um, miss their prayers, or even go out and, you know, mix with with people who are not from the Amish community and kind of, let's say, live it up. Okay. But then, at the age of 16, they have to then come back, and I say come back, and it doesn't mean necessarily that they've left the community, but... At the age of 16, they have to then, so that Rumspringer stops and they have to then make a decision whether or whether or not they're going to now stay and, you know, or let's say come back to their community and their rules or they choose to leave. And funny enough, at least from what I read, uh, they said that the like uh, a majority of them actually choose to stay. So imagine you grow up in, in a pretty strict household with with very few, if probably no, um, uh, amenities in terms of technology and things, you know, the things that make our lives way too easy nowadays. And complicated. And then, <laughs> yeah, and complicated. And then you're allowed to, to basically go off and, you know, experience. The real world. You know, yeah. the real world and, and, and be a teenager for once. And then you you're given the choice when you when you're done with that to to then come back to the fold, come back to the community, and live as the Amish live, or yeah. to leave. I think that's a remarkable ritual because not only does it show the kind of trust they have in their people, in in their teenagers, they actually trust them enough that they say, "Look, go out, do it, you know, experience these things, and then decide when you're done." And the fact that the majority of them decide to actually go back to their community, I think, is a testament to to uh, to that community and maybe even to some of their beliefs. Because at the end of the day, they've they're choosing that, you know, over over our world. So that was a really cool one for me. Uh, I wanted to share. Yeah, man, that is definitely interesting. There actually was a show, um, a reality show about the Amish. And it showed that transition from them going to that sheltered kind of upbringing to them having that. I don't know if it was a year that they could leave or before, you know, they had to make a decision. But they have a certain amount of time. That they can basically do everything. Everything that they were shown was wrong and that they shouldn't be doing, they can now do, <laughs> which is really interesting, uh, to say the least. I mean, I assume that the kids are raised from the time they're born until, you know, they reach the age of 14, following the rules of their culture and their community, because that is what they believe is the right way to live. And um, the way I see it is them 
giving them the opportunity at age 14. Oh, it's 14. To go out okay. and experience, yeah, 14, 14 to 16, to go out and experience some of what the rest of the world, I don't want to say the real world, because that actually makes it yeah. sound like they yeah. don't live yeah. in the real world, but the way the rest of the world lives. Um, I mean, to me, it makes sense, because I think at that age, they should, you know, they should be at an age at that point where they can have these experiences and make their own decisions about whether they feel these experiences are what they want or not. I think 14 um, to 16 is way too early, man. To to have those experiences? Yeah, it's way too early. I, you know, I think, I think for one, putting an age on, on, you know, a, a general kind of outlook on something is wrong because you have people that are, 25 years old that have the brain of a 16 year old and you have people that are 18 that have the, the brain of a 25 year old you know i think it really should come down on how that individual is blossom individual is blossoming and coming coming you know along with life i think to say that when everybody's at everybody that gets to age 14 is gonna again if you're in the amish community is going to be able to go ahead and and experience these things and they're going to be ready at that time I think it's crazy. It's just just the same way we have rules here in the U.S. where 18 you can smoke cigarettes. Or now they change it to 21. But before it used to be 18, you can smoke cigarettes. 21, you can drink alcohol. There's people that are 30 that shouldn't be close to alcohol. You know, so. Yeah, I get your point. I, I disagree with you, though. I, and the reason I disagree is because I, th I think what you're saying applies to society as we live in it. And... Mm -hmm. People grow up in all kinds of different types of households and have all kinds of different types of childhoods. And, you know, there's really no one, there, there is no one in the home telling them, telling the parents how they should or shouldn't, you know, raise their kids. Because unless you like actually have a, 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 a handicap, a mental handicap mm -hmm. that makes you actually slow or a slow learner or something like that, I think the rest of us mature differently because of what we're exposed to growing up and the community, the Amish community, I'm not an expert on the Amish community, but it's obviously a smaller, much more, much smaller community than, you know, the non Amish. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a tight community. And I would guess, I mean, I'm sorry, I have to make a lot of guesses and assumptions here, but I would guess that the fact that they, are smaller, are tight knit, and have you know, all follow the same rules, for lack of a better term. Uh, probably raises kids that are more level, you know, they're more even I than than the kids that grow up like than the way we grew up and the and the kids that grew up with us. So, sure, fourteen to sixteen. I mean, it's arbitrary age. Um, I assume that those kids growing up the way they grow up are probably more well balanced than we were at 14 or 16, even though they didn't, they haven't been exposed to anything yet really. So there is a downside, obviously. Mm. I mean, I guess there is something to be said for having some of the experiences. If you're going to live outside of an Amish community, like the rest, like most of us do, then yeah, you need to know how to live in it. Right. Mm -hmm. You need to know how to get along in it, how to take care of yourself and, and all that shit. But Maybe that's part of their plan. Maybe their plan is do it when they're a tad bit. Or, and again, in my opinion, because I, again, I, I think 14 is, at 14, dude, there's no way that I should have been drinking. 
or fornicating or, you know, like there's, come on, I was playing basketball. I was playing my trumpet, you know, I was, I was doing kid things. So, but maybe their thing is, you know, kind of throw it at them early so they don't know how to handle it in hopes that they come back. Cause I think if you, you, let's say 14 to 16 and then you say, all right, 19 to 21, you know, I think if you give people that option in a 1921 age range, there's less people coming back. Well, you there know? are people who leave afterwards. I mean, they do. To, th for there sure. are people who even leave at 14, they're like, fuck this, I'm out. I'm sure, yeah, there are some who, don't, who decide to leave it even then, yeah. Yeah, no, no, but again, I, and I, I love that we have different views on that. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. I guess it's just, you know, my reasoning behind it, the way I see it, where um, part of me, and, and I just want to clear up kind of my thought on that because I think it was a little, a little scattered when I was trying to explain it earlier. Um, but I don't necessarily have an issue with the way they do things. I just feel like the set, the set age range for one is kind of my, you know, my small issue if I have any, you know, because again, I'm indifferent. They can live their lives the way they want to. But where things get a little weird for me is, is for one, having an age range set, um, which again, maybe is not much different than what we have set over here, but ours is a little older, right? As far as when you're um, expected to, or allowed to do those things. Um, and then um, how early it is along in, in their lives with, you know, the, the, the whole 14 to 16. But, um, I can understand, man, you know, I don't, I don't knock, I'm not knocking them. I'm not knocking their religion or the way they do things. Um, you know, I can understand how people could, uh, I don't want to say comprehend, but, you know, understand why they do things the way they do things. Um, but I guess just for me in my side of the world where I'm standing, those are the type of things that kind of stand out to me when I hear that, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. So what do you got for us? You got another one for us? I got another one for us, man. Exchanging wives to confuse the evil souls. Yeah, good excuse. Right? A good excuse. Exactly. Exactly. In North America and East Siberia, husbands exchange their wives for a period of time in order to boggle any evil spirits that know their identity to escape from catastrophe. It might sound strange, but it is a true, true tradition still in practice. So next time you pass by a ritual, you'll definitely get the jitters. Um, now, again, I don't know if this one is done along the lines of uh, just having these gentlemen have an excuse to have some variety variety in their life, some spice in their life. But um, in that part of the world, my man, they believe that swip swapping, little wife swap, uh, little, little uh, seven wives <laughs> is a way to keep the evil souls away. Did you say in North America? <laughs> I did say that. <laughs> <laughs> in North America and East Siberia. So I don't know the connection. <laughs> I don't get that. I'm going to take, I'm going to assume that's a typo. <laughs> no, no, man. This is legit stuff. Exchanging wives to confuse evil souls. So um, again, I don't know if the, if this is somebody being, trying to outsmart the system here. <laughs> But trying to make it a thing. Trying to make it a thing for stepping out. That was, that was the next <laughs> one I wanted to briefly bring up. In, uh, and, I mean, that's self-explanatory. I don't know if we have to go too deep into that one. But uh, <laughs> that's what uh, at least some North Americans and East Siberians, I uh, think, keep the evil souls away. I definitely thought that was interesting. I wanted to bring that up. Cool. Uh, let me have a look here. I have another one. But before I go into it. I want to see if there's actually maybe a short, quick one I can plug in. 
but uh, maybe not. So maybe I'll just jump right into it. Yeah, what you got? So the one that I, my, I have my main one, my main one for the evening is from a tribe, a now extinct, extinct tribe. They were known as the Chimu. 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 <laughs> and I'm laughing, but this is a, a, a really terrible uh, ritual that I'm going to talk about right now. So the Jimu were a tribe that existed back in, I guess, early 15th century, mm-hmm. I believe, before I tell you a lie. Yeah, yeah, early 15th, so 1400s. Yeah, mm-hmm. they were, they're not so well known because they were kind of sandwiched between two more well-known Peruvian tribes. Most people have probably heard of the Inca. The Inca Inca people came after the Chimu. Um, And some people may have heard of the tribe that came before the Chimu, uh, the Moche or Moque, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Mm. Uh, So in any case, the reason I'm talking about the Chimu is because there was an, an an archaeological find um, that uh, was discovered in 2011 uh, in Peru. Uh, some, I guess, local shop owner, uh, his like the dogs of the neighbors were just like barking and going crazy and pulling up some bones. And when they investigated, they realized uh, that there was something, you know, there. It was like it wasn't just a random bone. It looked like it was human, mm-hmm. and there was more than just you know one or two. So they called in some archaeologists, and it turns out that at first they found the remains of two children, uh, what they think was a boy and a girl, resting beside each other in what appeared to be a mass burial site. And in the end, those two were two out of a total of 269 children that they found sacrificed at this site. What? the fuck yeah most of the victims were killed with a cut to the chest possibly to remove the heart so this um we've heard stories you know before of particularly of tribes from you know south america mainly uh central and south american tribes who practice things like human sacrifice right and in mexico uh as well um, you know, you, you, you'll hear stories about it. What makes this particularly shocking is not just that they were sacrificing children, but the amount, the number of children that they found in this site. And they knew that they were sacrificed because besides the, the, the actual wounds or what was what, what they could tell was the cut. So there, were obviously, there was obviously no flesh mm-hmm. left, but they could see the same markings across the, 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 the chest bones. Right. So they knew that there was some ritualistic thing happening and they were also buried in a particular way that wasn't, um, let's say, standard for the way the Chimu buried their deceased. Okay, And so, yeah, so the children were buried in this mass grave uh, in a particular way alongside certain uh, animals, particularly llamas. And they found after examining the remains, that the children and the animals were deliberately killed in the same manner, right? 
with a horizontal cut across the sternum, across the chest. And they found that the cut was consistent. So it was, it was at a consistent uh, location on the bodies. And there were no what they call hesitation marks either, you know, which mm. hesitation marks are something. It's like evidence that they find when someone stabs or whatever someone else yeah. um, in like the heat of a moment. If it's a murder, it's someone who is not experienced. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and they're kind of freaking out and they're, yeah. you know, there were no hesitation marks. So this was clearly something happened that someone was doing that they knew how to do what they were doing. Uh, very systematic, you know, the way it was done. In terms of why, so they've come, they, they've, they've got some hypothesis, hypotheses <laughs> for why they think this happened. The belief is that around the time that this happened, there was in that region a very bad, what they call um, El Nino. You've probably heard of it. The storm? <laughs> especially especially living in Miami. <laughs> the storm it's, it's not a storm, but it's a like a uh, it's sort of a weather pattern. Yeah, weather and pattern. whenever that particular weather pattern happens, um, it affects, yes, the, you know, the, the rainfall, the amount of storms you get or don't get or whatever. There's El Nino and there's La Nina. <laughs> I've never heard about uh, La Nina. I can't tell you which is. Yeah, there is a La Nina, no, <laughs> for real. No. We need to do an episode on that. <laughs> la Nina, La Vinca, La Santa Maria. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, they, they believe there was like a super El Nino at that time. And so um, uh, they, they went through a pretty bad dry spell. And so bad that they were their culture was like on the brink of collapsing, right? And that is why they think they went to the extreme measures because this this culture was around for like i think 140 years before this ritual this this mass uh child sacrifice thing took place meaning that they didn't do it they have they didn't always do it you know meaning that something happened over a, a long period of time that caused them to basically uh become I can't think of the word, but, you know, they were at their wits end and they, they didn't know any, you know, what else to do. And so they went in the direction of making sacrifices, but the ultimate sacrifice, right? Because for any culture, even for their culture back then, like the children for them were, um, it was like their biggest, their most prized possession, right? Because the children would carry on the culture and carry on the, um, the tribe. The children were really the, their future, um, as well as the animals that they were sacrificing. Mm. So they, they were really at the end of their rope and not knowing what to do. And so as many tribes do, or particularly back then, they thought they needed to appease the gods somehow. And children, come on, man. Yeah, and so they... They and what's crazy, uh, cr even crazier. I found this article. It's a National Geographic article. If you want to find it, look it up. Yeah. Um, it's called uh, "What Made This Ancient Society Sacrifice Its Own Children." Is what it's called from February of 2019. And they have some really, really good photos of the dig site. And I you don't can think I want to see photos, man. Well, I mean, they do have some photos of like the mummified you know, remains, mm -hmm. but it's not really because of that that I'm pointing it out. I'm pointing it out because 
the other things that they found at that site is preserved footprints, you know, of, uh, they have like a preserved adult footprint and then right next to it preserved hoof print or whatever from the llama, which they can tell by the way it's preserved that the llama was being dragged, you know, to the site where they were going to do this, this sacrifice. Mm. Yeah, and so the, the, the theory is that to try and, and rectify this situation that had their culture on the brink of collapse, they decided to sacrifice, you know, a ton of kids and a ton of baby llamas, you know, on this hill. And, and they buried them there where they were found, you know, however many hundred years later, in 2011, by, by some freaking pizza shop owner. Whoa, man, that uh, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Why kids, man? Why not adults? Why not adults? Why can you yeah, say? I think I think it goes to to what I was saying. They felt because they did sacrifice. So apparently, the moche or whatever before the chimu, there was some sacrifice always going on, but mainly they were adults, and mainly they were like um, prisoners that they that they you know caught from fighting mm-hmm. and so they would use them as sacrifices so they, there was always some kind of sacrifice going on mainly adults but it seems like as time went on it's uh, it seemed like the their sacrifices were not having the impact that they wanted or expected uh yeah and so they may <laughs> yeah but what did they do instead of thinking maybe these sacrifices are are the wrong thing. Maybe they don't bring what we think they bring. They went more extreme. They went more extreme. And they said, we need to offer something more precious. We need to offer more. And it doesn't get any more precious than than that. your children. I get that, but come on. Yeah, it's, Human it's beings, sad, man. for sure. We're... Yeah. It's crazy. I don't know. It's... <clears throat> I... Yeah. I'm at a loss for words because I'm going the other way. If I see that what I'm currently doing isn't working, all right, then let's restructure. I'm not going to go to the point where I'm going to sacrifice children, which, like you said, are even more precious. You know what I mean? Like, And then what are they doing once they realize that it's not still not working? Are they are they still practicing this today or is this eradicated? Well, they they fell. They were, they were eventually uh, taken you know, defeated by the Inca. Oh, okay. Okay. So, um, well, good job, Inca. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> you know what I mean, you're doing good work, but I mean, I just, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. I just, I don't, how does that, how does that happen? Is it one person thinks of it? Is it the leader of a town that comes and influences the other people to believe in it? And, you know, I think usually in those kinds of cultures, you have, Certain people, like tribesmen. Usually, it would have been yeah. Usually, it would have been someone like the the shaman or the religious leader. They're the ones who the tribe sees as the one who speaks for the gods, mm-hmm. right? And I think that usually it comes from people like that. What if that person is just somebody who we would diagnose with schizophrenia? Uh possible and they think that this person is enlightened and it's at the root of it a fucking chemical imbalance in the brain you know possible what if uh, on the other on the other side of the coin maybe schizophrenia isn't a thing (laughs) 
<laughs> right? <laughs> Maybe these people are in tune with the gods, but uh, just makes you think, man. It's not clear in the article. They say um, it's not clear how they chose the kids. So we don't know if they were all, in fact, children of you know the tribes there. We we just they just don't know that because. Like I said, they, they, they have found burial sites of, you know, children, families or adults that seem to be ritually buried in a specific way. Now, none of these were buried that way, probably because it was a ritual sacrifice. But nevertheless, it isn't clear, you know, how the children were, were chosen or if they all necessarily came from the tribe or maybe they were taken from other tribes nearby. We We just don't know. But in any case... Yeah, I get your point. It doesn't it doesn't make it any less difficult to swallow. Like my good friend Tony Montana said, man, no women, no children. Okay. <laughs> so I give a lot of props to the Inca tribe. Thank you for doing the good work. You don't do the little babies, you leave the little babies alone. You leave Actually, I don't know what the Incas okay? did. I didn't research them. <laughs> they may have been Didn't you say the Incas over overtook them or whatever? Well, yeah, they did, but that doesn't mean that they didn't do their own sacrifices. They, they hey, didn't overtake it them. It wasn't babies, okay? They didn't, like, take them out because they knew they were doing <laughs> child sacrifice. <laughs> I know. But in taking them out, they eradicated the child sacrifice. Now, hopefully they didn't take on their own child Exactly. We know, don't know. Sacrifice I, mean, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't be shouting their names so loud. Exactly. But, uh. I'm just saying, man. No babies, no women. So the last, I want to. I wanted to tell you one, uh, one more. Last, oh yeah, one yeah. Last little uh, fucked up thing. Get in him. Get in it, brother. One of the other things they found um, at the at the site at the archaeological site, they found the one of the huge blades, and at the mm-hmm. end of the blade was a huge rattle. So. Think of a baby rattle. You know how when you shake it, it makes that sound. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, the in the article they hypothesized that as the children were being, you know, killed, that rattling sound would have been the last thing they heard. Oh, why do you keep fucking twisting the knife, dude? Like, <laughs> I have one more thing for you, Frank. <laughs> I'm just on the I'm end of the sword. They say, put a rattler. I'm just so this is the sound the baby heard before his life was taken. Uh, I I don't take pleasure in that. I'm just it, it no, just made I, such an impact when I read it. I was like, geez, it, that must have been terrifying. That's insane. That's insane, man. Terrifying. That's insane. No, no, yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't think you take pleasure in that at all. Uh, it's just wow. <laughs> yeah, that's in. That's fucking crazy, man. All right, you're up. So, but, but hold on, <laughs> hold on. But just because now we're here, right? We're, we're here now. So now I got to own it. You know, that's it. The boogeyman exists. So <laughs> do you say that they put the rattler at the end of the blade? Yeah. If you go to the article. Where the, close to the handle then, it w- I assume, right? Um. Yeah. So if it, you're thinking a sword? No, it, it was a blade more like a, like a, think of something like a, like a dagger, dagger? kind of in terms okay. of size. And then okay. the hilt, the bo- the back part of it, you know, mm-hmm. where they would hold it, I guess the part that would extend above the hand, just had this sort of round uh, thing at the top. It looked like a, not like a ball. It was kind of like squished like a, like an egg, I guess, in terms mm-hmm. of shape. 
Um, and inside that big round thing was whatever it is that made the thing rattle. So a blade on one end, and then the handle, and at the tip, the end of the handle on the top was yeah. this round thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's fucking terrifying. Yeah, that's that's horrible. But um, that was a that was a great one to bring up, man. Uh, I think we gave some people some different insight on, on some different things, and um, yeah, my fucking my goosebumps are still going here. I want to take a little trip down to China. Cynic. Do you oh, know why I want to go to China? I'm already grossed out. <clears throat> now this one is a ritual, but it's a it's a more of a fun loving ritual. So it's oh, um not the one I was. Yeah, a little upbeat. You know, we're not <laughs> eating bats. We're not eating bats and shit. You know, uh, so China's Donghai region um, have has a little thing that they do in funerals, and basically uh, funerals are a status of symbol in China's Donghai region. A dead man's reputation and honor is considered to be directly proportional to the number of people that attend this funeral. Um, so what relatives actually do is that they hire strippers <laughs> to pull in the crowds. Uh, and this is a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> this is a real thing. So um, kind of in layman terms, basically, the more people that, that are showing up to your funeral, the more prestige, the more respectful you were, um, the more... Uh, righteously you lived your life so um i guess china has no moral compass in saying hey look if we gotta hire some women to come up here and go go dance um even though they do say strippers so i'm thinking they do take off articles of clothing um mm -hmm. and that's gonna help bring people in i'm just thinking that's skewing the numbers you know there's <laughs> there <laughs> you know i mean we know that nobody like pablo but you guys got six beautiful women up here and all of a sudden pablo or that may be um, more of an Asian name. Kim, right? Let's say Kim. Nobody like Kim, but, and I hope that's not racist. But all right, let's keep that going. Uh, nobody likes Kim, but you got six beautiful women up here. So now all of a sudden Kim has um, this huge ass crowd and we're all under the impression that Kim was loved and respected when Kim was really an asshole. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about that, man, and bring that up briefly and, Kind of changed pace a bit because I knew uh, most of these rituals were going to be on the more uh, darker side. So I want to bring some light <laughs> <laughs> with uh, strippers at the funeral. What do you think about that, Cynic? Is it any man who, who would get that or is it like a rich man uh, who would get something like that? Well, it would be, uh, you know, it would be on the relatives, you know, and it would be. Ah, okay. Yeah, because it's a relatives that go ahead and, and kind of set that up. So I'm assuming if it's a poor family then they're, you know, they're not going to be any strippers, unfortunately. <laughs> you know I think what I mean? I think that's a stupid ritual. That's what I think. Yeah, because obviously I mean, you're... When everybody knows that it's fake, then what's the point? Exactly. You're skewing the numbers from the very beginning. And and I'm a believer in not all funerals have to be, you know, it could be a celebration of the person's life. And I understand if you want, but you don't, you're not bringing that emotion because you want to celebrate that person's life. You're literally bringing naked chicks because you want to bring people <laughs> you know yeah. imagine somebody who stumbles out of a bar you know and 6 a.m in the morning or whatever at least down here in miami you could do that well once upon a time because now we're quarantined but right you stumble <laughs> out of a bar and you're like man i'm not gonna go to this strip club i'm gonna go to this funeral <laughs> they got chicks out here so now you're at this i'm wondering <laughs> I'm wondering, do the families do that so that they can feel better about 
So do they do it for themselves or do they do it because of the they think it will better honor the person who passed away? Do you know what I mean? Like Yeah, it's it's reputation and honor. They they believe the more people that show up to your funeral, um, you know, it it again it's a testament to your reputation when you walked, you know, um as a life man on the earth. And and it's honor, you know, it's honor where it's respect. You know, people came out now again, it it's stupid because it's not it doesn't have anything to do with the way that person lived their life. So that person could have been a piece of shit. He could have raped people. You know, he could have been a murderer. And because a lot of people come out to the funeral, this guy has honor and reputation. It's fucking retarded. <laughs> you know? But that's that's mm-hmm. how they that's how they see it, man. And I thought it was hilarious. So I definitely wanted to bring it to the microphone. You know why I was uh initially said I was already disgusted when you said China because uh there was one uh, you sent it to me actually on what's the, the eating of the placenta yeah i thought that's where you were gonna go with that disgusting disgusting bro you know it brings me to the it wasn't um the vaccine episode that you talked about some of the stuff in the vaccines what was it mm-hmm. yeah it was something along those lines though right yeah some human yes 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 so bro that's some... again bro i'm a ritual, right? <laughs> That's, is that a ritual? Is Are we any better? Is it better because we ingest it or we, you know, we, we take it in from a needle versus us putting it to our mouths? But are, are we any different? I don't know. I don't know. Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, if you heard that episode, if you listen to that episode, I'm not a fan of vaccines. But I think I think that's slightly different because it's 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 really minuscule amounts right sure it is still gross i mean it's it's coming from an aborted mm-hmm. an aborted baby feet you know an aborted fetus um but these are i mean this this is something bro a placenta they're like frying that shit in a pan and yeah. putting it on a plate it's, that is it's yeah you're right that's, that's you're just right. not the same for me <laughs> <laughs> i don't know man like it's okay. just different we you know we put a bow on it and we make it pretty. But you're right. They do put it on a plate. And it goes back um, as far as 2,000 years in history. It says uh, this relatively common practice in China is is known as placentophagy and dates back to 2,000 years in history. So they've been doing this for a very long time, man. And it looks like she has a steak on her plate. I just want to say that. Disgusting. <laughs> Disgusting, bro. Oh, they do live longer. Okay. So um, where are we at? What's next? Are we uh, going to finish up with a big bang, or do you have anything in I in your arsenal? No, sir. I think I think we're ready for the grand finale. What started this whole uh, topic of rituals for yes. us? Yes, yes, definitely, definitely. Um, well, yes, the Izuku tribe. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Izuku tribe makes the uh, women, the widows, right, that have lost their husband, go to these strenuous rituals and customs in order to kind of honor their husband and prove that they're really heartbroken by their passing and the things that they they you know have these women do is insane you know and it's really the was the inception of this episode when i came across this information it really again it really jarred me i I sent the information over to cynic and he came with an interesting angle, maybe a little teaser for next episode. 
Um, but, you know, it was it was the way that I was feeling towards, you know, what I was reading and, and what these women have to go through. And um, I said I was appalled. Right. Cynic. And, and what did you say about that? Mm -hmm. So my response to that was basically. To ask myself, where is it that this appalling behavior, because you're right, it is appalling. Where does that come from? And not even specifically in terms of that tribe or that culture, but really um, on a bigger scale, uh, talking about mm -hmm. humanity. You know, we see all kinds of appalling things and hear about all kinds of appalling things going on all over the world. And so I was thinking about that in the context of where does this, where, where does this come from? You know, I was reading a text a Gnostic philosophy, you know, Gnostic philosophy is a big subject and I happened to be reading, reading on that. And so the context that I had going in was that, uh, in particular, I think I was reading something called the gospel of Judas and, um, the take that they have on sort of the world and why it is the way it is. It's really interesting for me. Now I'm I I totally get that there are people who feel like the God, the, the the Gnostics, if you can call them the Gnostics, as mm -hmm. if they're one group, uh, they aren't. But I know there are people, particularly you know, who think that they're like the that they worship the mm -hmm. devil or whatever. We can go into that maybe next episode to, to actually clear up what what their their uh, philosophy is. But in any case. Uh, their take on why th things are the way they are, uh, I immediately connected it to to that example because you happened to write that to me when I was you know in the middle of reading that text. But you can actually we can go down that road and look at any example, and uh, I found it it was a it was just the timing was perfect. You know I, I made that connection immediately, and so um, I thought that maybe that's something we can explore. Uh, next episode or some episode down the line yeah man and i love what i love when topics do that when they birth you know when they birth new ideas and, and new things to talk about and i never looked at it in that in that way and um i'm definitely excited to to see what we can put together man um i wanted to go ahead and bring some some examples here of the izuku tribe and what they specifically make their their widows do um, if I may, Cynic. Yes. Uh, let me see here. I have... All right. So starting from the top, drinking the water uh, that the dead husband's body was washed in for the purpose of proving that the widow is innocent of murder. Oh, man. So <laughs> um, that is... Come on, man. That's appalling. I think that... I think that... That definitely qualifies... Uh, I don't. Here we have trials in America. Um, you guys have trials there in Europe as well. You have a, a judicial system. You have a court system. So, I you know that that shows you the difference. I guess is what I'm trying to say. But I want to point out here, this is somebody who, you know, this is not necessarily somebody who was suspected of murdering their husband. Right. Just because their husband died, they have to do this, and that's kind of what I want to point out there. Because there's one thing where if there's somebody under suspicion, right? That there was foul play involved. Okay, that's different. The way you want to handle it, whatever, whatever. But this is not the case here. <laughs> this is just somebody, you know, happenstance that, you know, the, the husband died. Now she's a widow. Uh, now she's a widow. And now we have to go through these 
um, extraneous um, rituals to prove that we don't have anything to do with death. Um, I think that's insane. Um, another thing is that she must not speak out or make noise unless she is required to cry. Another one is some rights insist of the widow must be fed by others um, and her meals must be reduced in number so she can't feed herself. Um, scarring of the face, knife with a razor, sleeping with a corpse as a symbolic last sexual act with dead husband. Um, so I don't know if when they say sleeping with a corpse, I mean intercourse, but it does say a symbolic last sexual act. So you put that together as you wish. Sleeping on the bare floor. I mean, I think, and I know you have a few too. I don't want to talk. I don't want to mention all of them, but <laughs> that's insane. dude. No, no, no. I, I don't, I don't have any more to add. You, you pretty much covered the main ones. I just, as what I see or what I hear, uh, is like this, this tribe has a deep, level of misogyny against women <laughs> because insane. they're literally punishing the women i mean this is punishment this is there's no other way to describe it mm -hmm. right they they besides the ones you read you know they also shave their heads mm -hmm. with uh with like a blade or razor or whatever but not you know not like you're thinking like you get your nice shave at the barbershop <laughs> you know they do it all just raggedy and, and deliberately to make her look untidy or ugly or whatever so up, yeah it's really sure, crazy yeah, what what is going on what's going through their mind you know i was when i was researching this and i was looking for other sources for this this um this ritual and 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 i have to say i've found very very little and i think i think actually the one you sent me maybe talks about it in the beginning of the article how this is kind of taboo it's not really uh, publicized much mm -hmm. and talked about much. Uh, I wonder why. Uh, <laughs> but this this is known because some women actually spoke out to some or, or some Canadian agency on immigration and refugees or something like that. And some of the women, I guess, refugees spoke about these rituals and told about their experiences, right? Um, but I did find one article where it was mentioned briefly and it was by some... I guess the person was a blogger or something, uh, a journalist uh, who was talking about her, her and her mom. And, you know, they basically, I, th I think they were living somewhere in the West. Yeah, it sounded like they had a very normal life. But apparently when, when her dad died, the mom had to go back to, but it, it's some country in Africa, uh, Nigeria, okay. Nigeria. Um she had to go back to wherever her tribe in Nigeria was to undergo this ritual specifically. So like, I don't think they were even living there. Right. But this thing is apparently such a part of their culture that she had to go back there to undergo this. Now, apparently what she had to undergo, or at least the only thing that she referenced her mother going through was the shaving of the head. And she was talking about it because in the, in the, she was lamenting how her mom no longer had like the beautiful braids that she used to have mm. because she, you know, they shaved her head for this ritual or whatever. So what I took from that, I was That's really surprised crazy, because man. either, either her tribe didn't go through all that list of stuff that we went through and maybe they didn't make her do some of those really disgusting things. That's a possibility. She doesn't mention it in the article or the other possibility is, 
Well, she just deliberately didn't mention it mm. because of what you know people might say uh, who who read her article. Um, but her mom maybe did have to go through it. In either case, the only thing her article was lamenting was her mom's beautiful braids being gone, and the rest was like you know rainbows and sunshine. I was like, this this is this article just seemed really ridiculous to me because even if her mom didn't go through the full practice. She she obviously knows that this practice is going on and is happening in some cases, at least in extreme ways. And she kind of just whitewashed it with a bullshit article about her mom's braids mm -hmm. being gone. I was totally like taken aback by that one, too. But yeah, that that that's, yeah, that's, that's all I really got to say on that's that. That's insane. It begs the question, man. How many how many rituals you think are going on? Like, I mean, that's hard to to pinpoint, right? But will we say like over five hundred around the world? Oh, I assume. Yeah. I assume there's more. I mean, even more, right? There's so many people on this earth, and all these rituals. I guess. I mean, some of them are, you know, uh, some of them are tradition. Like I think this one is. I don't think this one has anything to do with, you know. Uh, you being cursed in this life or, or the next. I think this is just to prove to the to the to your community that you had nothing to do with your husband's passing. You know, um, it's really fucked up, man. Because you're gonna tell me that there's 500 different ways to get into the afterlife if you believe in that. You, you know, I this is it's it's a just it just shows you what how the extent that man can go to, right? To um, to kind of, I don't know, make, I don't know if it's make people believe something or believe something, believe in something bigger than themselves, you know, but it's fucking crazy, man, because there's no way that everybody's right. Do you, you get what I'm saying? There's no way that everybody's right. Yeah. I mean, not all rituals like this one as well. They're not all related to trying to get into an afterlife, right? Yeah. Like this one in particular. Exactly. Yeah. My biggest thing is, is that you know, this is a perfect example of just, again, man, just kind of just coming up with their own shit, man. I think we're, we're, we get too creative. You know what I mean? Again, I think psychologically there is something good to be said about some kinds of rituals, some. But like we, like, like humans do, we have... Like brushing your teeth every morning. That's a great ritual. For example, and before you go to bed, I know. and yeah, twice a day is an even better ritual. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, but yeah, like we have we have the extreme on both sides, right? The extreme light, extreme dark, and everything in between. And anywhere you go on the earth, you'll find people who are practicing something along that, you know, along that line. Yeah, man. So if you're in a if you're in a particular part of the world where you don't have to eat. Uh, your husband's corpse, or don't have to, you know, bathe. Drink the water. Or, or that drink his. Drink the water that he bathed in. Be happy for the little things, because uh, <laughs> <laughs> life could have been fucking different, a lot different, man. Definitely. Yes, sir. Well, that I think. Good stuff, man. I think that about uh, wraps it up for this episode. Very interesting. Very interesting things that we came across and. It was fun bringing it to light, man. Hopefully we taught some listeners a couple things about life and 
different parts of the world. Yeah, some of the crazy shit people are doing all over the world. Yeah. And have done. And how creative how creative human beings are. We just need to fucking settle down. Just make sure you're not a piece of shit. Live your life in the best way you can. You know what I mean? Do good. <laughs> <laughs> Do good to others, man, and everything will work itself out. We've got so much time on our hands when we're making, you know, women <laughs> do some of the crazy things that, that we have them doing. It's insane. All right, kitties. <laughs> All right, you kittens and cool cats. We appreciate uh, you guys listening. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of No Stone Unturned. With Frank and your boy, Sidney. That's right. Hit us up on that social media. Yes, sir. We're on Twitter at No Stern. No Stern. <laughs> No stone underscore. We're on Twitter at no stone underscore. Hit us up. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. And we'll catch you next week. Stay safe. Stay safe, guys. Peace.